0: My productivity depends on my discipline, not my ability to produce, my ability to stay focused so that I can produce. You can have the abilities. You can have the skills. You can have the knowledge. Without discipline, you won't get it done. So in other words, your productivity is linked to your self-control. Everyone, at, at least has two or three things that you feel like you need self-control into, like at least two or three areas in your life you feel like you need self-control for. Every one of us, we feel like, I would like self-control in maybe your relationship with food or relationship with sleep or exercise or, or work or just something in your life you feel, I need self-control, or maybe your, your speech, just the way you talk, or your time. We all feel like there are areas that we need more self-control in life. You feel like, I, if I would just discipline myself in this area, I would be more productive, or I will reach far, or I will do more if I just discipline myself. We have many people today in courtrooms and prisons and rehabs, people who could not control themselves. And I'm not trying to judge, but we know that courtrooms are filled with people who failed to control themselves. And now they are facing the consequences. Prisons are full of people who failed somehow or somewhere to control themselves. So if we can only learn to control ourselves, we will avoid ourselves so much trouble in life. So why do we often fail? If we know self-control is needed, is important, why do we often fail? How can we become consistent in our self-control? How can we discipline ourselves? How can we maintain self-control under pressure? Because sometimes you may be determined to discipline yourself, but when pressure comes, you give up or give in. How can we stay disciplined under pressure or noise, where everybody's telling you what you should do, where there's so much noise around you? How can you still remain disciplined or even strong urges? You feel like doing it. Nobody's pushing you to do it. Just inside you, you can't just control yourself. The, the need, the, the, the urge is there to touch it, the urge is there to watch it or to listen to it or to do it. You can't just control it. You just want to say it. So, how do we maintain self-control? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Self-control produced by the Holy Spirit is not the product of willpower. It's not the product of our willpower. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Because our willpower sometimes can fail. It can be strong in the morning and weak in the afternoon and weaker in the evening because it relies on your natural ability to decide and do. But self-control produced by the Holy Spirit is consistent all the time. It is there in the morning, it's there in the afternoon, it is there in the the, the evening, all the time. So don't confuse self-control with willpower. It's not the same thing. And when I say self-control, I mean as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural ability motivated by love that helps us to know God and glorify him. You know, sometimes you may have this willpower and everything you aim for is selfish. So if it's selfish, it's not the divine self-control. It has to be about glorifying God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 23 and 22 to 23 but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Every aspect of your life le- requires discipline. There are many areas you need to show self-control. Many areas. Finances, exercise, food, language, faith, and the list go on and on. Because you can't keep your eyes on all these things all the time, I would like to suggest a dashboard for you. When we are driving, you are driving your car, you can keep your eyes on the road, but from time to time, you will be dropping your eyes to the dashboard. The oil to check, just a few things that will tell you the whole car is doing well. If those few things are doing well, your whole car is doing well. Just like your car. If you focus on these three areas, your whole life will fall into place. If you just allow God to work with you in those three areas. And the first one I would like to suggest to you is to watch your tongue. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you check your tongue. Mm. James chapter 3 verse 2 to 10. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man. Who is also able to control his whole body. Now, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. From just the mouth, we control the whole big animal. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce wind, they are guided by a very small rudder, whatever the will of the pilot directs. So, Two, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest, a small fire ignites. And the tongue is, is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and it is set on fire by hell. Wow. Wow. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our God and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. If you just control your mouth, you can control your whole body. That is what James tells us. If you can just control your tongue, you can control everything else. Because people cannot judge what you are thinking about. You will look smart if you don't say anything. But from the time you open your mouth, everybody will be, what? If you keep quiet, people say, hmm, I like him. Until you open your mouth, Everybody's like, where did she come from? Your tongue controls your whole body. Our words create our world. You are a product of what has been said to you and what you've said to people, both good and bad. Some people today are still spending a lot of money into therapy to try to reverse the things that were said to them. The things that were said to you are costing you money today, why? Because words make world. Your world today is controlled by the words you've been told. You can't make it, you will never make it. You are not, you are not, you are not good enough, you are not, and those words have made your world. And if by chance someone told you, You are strong. You can make it. You look good. You feel like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Words have made you. Remember, you have made people's world with your words. If you can just control your word, you will control a big aspect of your life. Encouraging word have helped you move forward. and discouraging word has slowed you down. Whoever controls their tongue, controls their whole being, and whoever controls your words controls your world. Whoever controls what you say, your speech, controls you. How to control your words? I will give you a few things to look into and the first one is before you open your mouth, ask yourself a question, is this true? Any untruthful word, any word that comes out of your mouth that is not true, hurts someone. It hurts you or it hurts the person listening or it hurts the person you are talking about. So people get hurt by you saying things you don't know they are true. Any word that you exaggerate. So it is true, but you add some sauce to it. You add some chili to it to make it spicy. It's hurting someone. Your sauce is hurting someone. Or you know this is true, but you, you, you change it to make it half-truth. Every half-truth hurts someone. We hurt people by hiding a piece of it. Look at the things we hear out there about politicians. We don't know what is true and what is not anymore because everything is framed with a motive. We don't know what we hear on the news anymore. we like, you hear things, is that true? It's not true. Did he do that? He didn't do it. Did he say that? He didn't say, you don't know anymore. Things are twisted everywhere. Every exaggeration hurts someone. Every half-truth hurts someone. So before you say something, ask yourself, is this true? Am I saying what is true? Then the Holy Spirit will help you. The second thing is, is it necessary? If what you want to say is true, but it won't help anybody, don't say it. It can be true, but it's not necessary. If your information is not helping anyone to become better, to become better people, or it's not helping anyone to make progress, don't share it, even if it's true. Don't just speak for the sake of speaking. And the third one, is my motive right? Is my motive right? If you know your motive is not good, then... Don't say it, don't open your mouth. Keep quiet if your motives do not pass the test of love, faith, and hope. Before you talk about someone, ask yourself, am I saying this out of love? Before you talk about something, ask yourself, am I communicating faith to this person or fear? What am I trying to portray in this conversation? Does it bring hope? Or I'm just helping them to panic, as I'm panicking. Faith, hope, and love. The second one, the next one. Sorry, not second, next, English. Oh, next and second are not the same thing, Mike. (laughs) The next one, is this the right room? So the motive can be good, it can be true, and you you intend good, but is this the right room some things may be true, necessary, and could be said with the right motive, but to the wrong person or in the wrong room, saying the right thing to the, right, to the wrong person, saying something that is right to a wrong person can cause as much damage as saying a wrong thing to the right person. It's the same thing. Is this the right room for you to share that information? Jesus did it. John chapter 13 verse 18. He said, I'm not speaking about all of you. I know those I have chosen, but the scripture must be fulfilled. The one who eats my bread has raised his heel against me. That was Judas. Jesus waited until Judas left the room for him to pray the prayer in John 17 about his disciples and the kingdom to come. He knew it was the wrong room with this guy in it. I need to wait until this person is out for me to do what I'm about to do. Do you check the room when you're talking about something? Do you check who you're talking to before you share the information? You hurt people by sharing the the, the right thing to a wrong person. You hurt them or you hurt the things you're talking about or the people you're talking about. When you share something to a person who cannot handle it, when you share something to the person who is distracted, or you are sharing something to the person who is not focused, whatever the situation is, don't share your information or whatever you know to a wrong person. Another one is, is this the right time? Something may be right for the person to know, but the timing is wrong. I think my wife has nailed this. She just looks at me, Uh -uh. I'm not saying anything. And then sometimes when I'm really, I don't know, I've just relaxed and I hear, can I talk to you? Ah, Why did not you say it earlier? But at that time, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it. Check the timing. Is this the right time to share this? And the last one is, am I the right person to say it? You know? It can pass all the five. It's true, you have, your intentions are good and all that, but are you the right person to say it? Do you think you've been given the authority to say it? This is the antidote to gossip. The fact that you know something does not give you the right to talk about it. Don't talk about it if you are not part of the problem or part of the solution. That's how you know. That's how you know if you should talk about something. If you are not part of the problem, it doesn't affect you, or you're not part of the solution, there is nothing you are going to do about it. Stop talking about it. You're just spreading rumors. You are helping to hurt people. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing... You who are spiritual should restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. Why am I bringing this? If someone falls, it's not everybody's responsibility to go and help them. No, the Bible says watch out because if you are not spiritual, you will be tempted to do that same thing. When they begin to talk to you about how they got there, you are going to learn how to do it. Or, you know, I went there, I did this, and I did that, and i was like, oh, that's how they do it. You are now learning how to do it. On. And you begin to do it. Even someone falls and you feel deeply in your heart, you need to help check yourself. Am I mature enough to go and handle this? Am I the right person to talk about it? Or someone should go and talk to them? So if you can filter your conversations through these six tests, you are guaranteed to build a better world around you. It's not just about not talking. If you don't talk where you're supposed to speak, you are undisciplined. But if you talk where you're supposed to stay quiet, you're undisciplined. So I did not come here to tell you, don't speak. Don't speak. I come here to tell you, speak at the right time. The second thing is, watch your time. You have done well. You have checked your mouth. But time is still your struggle. This is the second thing that controls you. Time is the most valuable asset God has given us. Time is so precious that it cannot be recovered once it's spent. You cannot recover it. If you have spent your hour, it will never come back again. So this is how we use time. Some people invest our time, their time, some people waste their time, and some people use their time. You invest it, you waste it, or you use it. Most people try to use their time. A few people invest their time, but some people waste their time. I'll call them losers. Losers waste their time. Winners invest their time. Jesus invested his time. So all our actions and words are grouped in four categories. Right, wrong, good, or bad. We feel good, bad, wrong, or right about our actions. Losers spend their time doing wrong things that is wasting it. Most people spend their time doing what feels good or bad. Stay with me. That's where the majority of the things that we do are. Like we we feel like this is good and we do it. We are driven by what feels good. We are driven by what makes us happy. We are driven by the thing, and there's nothing wrong to be happy. I'm just saying, does it need to be the thing that drives you? Maybe not, but that's where most people spend their time, to find things that feel good, and when it feels bad, they rush to find something that feels good again. So it's about good and bad. As long as it feels good, they keep doing it. So if it doesn't feel bad, they don't stop it. So the idea of wrong and right is not in their mind, and most people live like that. It's about good and bad, what feels good or what feels bad trying to avoid whatever feels bad. But Jesus spent his time doing what is right. It can be right and bad. It can be right, but feels bad. He will still do it. Or it can be right and good, and he will still do it. So Jesus spent his time struggling between right and wrong, not good and bad. Right and wrong. Winners spend their time To invest in what is right, regardless of how it feels, good or bad. Are you with me? If you want to use your time well, invest in the things that are right. Jesus says this in John chapter 9, verse 4 We must do the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. We must. Jesus was saying to his disciples, this is the must. We have to spend our time doing the things that I was called to do. The right things. Not the things that feel good. I know sometimes more sleep can feel good and I'm not against sleep. I need more of it. Not the things that feel good. Not the food that feels good, but the right food. Not the places that feel good, but the right place to be. I love my bed. Honestly, I do. I love my bed. But I got to leave that bed this morning because I must be here. It is right for me to be here. It's good for me to be in my bed on winter Sunday morning. You know what I'm talking about. Christians should live with a sense of urgency. Our enemy, the devil, does not rest, does not sleep. He lives with a sense of urgency. He's busy with what is wrong. We should get busy with what is right in this life. The work of the Holy Spirit in us is to help us identify what's right and what's wrong. And he, he helps us to find out what is right and what is wrong. And then he will keep whispering to you, this is right, this is wrong. This is right, this is wrong. The problem is... Instead of us responding to what is right and wrong, we keep searching for what is good and bad. So that's our conflict with the Holy Spirit. He doesn't tell us this is good or bad. He tells us this is right or wrong. But we are not looking for what is right or wrong. We are looking for what feels good or bad. And that's a conflict. If you want to live with self-control, listen to the Holy Spirit. He's telling you this is right or wrong. Focus on the things that are right. And that's how you invest your life. Winners invest their lives by focusing on what's right. We don't define what is right. The world will not define what is right. The media doesn't define what is right. Politicians don't define what is right. Books or academia does not define what is right. God defines what is right. The Bible defines what is right. And that's where we should invest our time to what is right. Not what feels good. The world today will tell you focus on what feels good. It's your right to feel good. Of course it is. But it will lead you to a bad place. Jesus is calling us today to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, who will always guide us to what's right. And finally, watch your thought. Watch your thought. I recommend that you listen to our podcast, Mike and Christelle podcast. There is a message I uh, shared beginning of this year on taking control of your mind. That will help you to dive into how to manage your thoughts. If when you watch your tongue, you watch your time, you need to watch your thoughts. I will just make some, a few comments on this. Most psychotherapists will agree that people's thoughts control their feelings. What you think about controls your feelings, and your feelings will control your actions. Also, your thoughts control your behavior. So we don't just say things. We don't just do things. We do things because that's what is in our mind. So if you control your thoughts, you will be able to control your behavior. You'll be able to control your words. You'll be able to control your actions. So how good are you at controlling your thoughts? How good are you to control what you think about? Because I believe this is even the priority among these three. If you are able to control your thoughts, you will control your tongue. If you are able to control your thoughts, you may be able to control your time. So thoughts are really important. When we talk about self-control, begin to think about how much of my thoughts are controlled by the Holy Spirit. What are you thinking about? So without going into the details, because you have a podcast to listen to, let's read this this, this verse. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, our final thing, one final thing, sorry. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. This is a filter of what you, you should be thinking about. If something does not fit into this... Just stop thinking about it. And it's possible. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He helps us to think of what is honorable, what is praiseworthy. He helps us to do so. The issue is when he tells you, stop thinking about these things. You feel like, but they don't make me feel good. I want to think of something that makes me feel good. The conflict about right and wrong comes back again. Most things that you want to think about will help you to feel good sometimes, but they will, end up <laughs> they will end up in the wrong place. You will feel worse. And I am not in your mind. I don't know what you are thinking about, but the devil wants you to think that everybody hates you. The devil wants you to think that the future is dark. The devil wants you to, f- to think that there is no love and there is no hope anymore. The devil wants you to think that it's over, that you are not loved. That, that, that He has so many things that he's throwing on your mind so that you don't see hope, faith, and love anymore. I'm, I want you to know that God is saying, think of my love. I still love you. Even if that person disappointed you, even if those people rejected you, think of my love. I still love you. And there are people on earth who love you. There are people around who love you. Don't let the enemy steal the joy of even enjoying that person next to you who still loves you because of the people who hurt you before. That's the work of the enemy. He makes you focus on the negative that you can't even see the positive happening around you anymore. Think about these things, Paul is saying. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring those positive. And when I say positive, this is not just you manufacturing thoughts. It's allowing him to tell you the truth in your life. You are loved. You are accepted. Think about these things. You are valuable. God cares about you, and there are people who care about you. You are not alone. Yes, that and that and that person could have disappointed you, but there are people who care about you. You are not alone. Think about these things. What are the kind of podcasts you listen to? The kind of movies you watch, or the kind of the input that you are bringing in your mind, will influence how you think about life. No, I, I, I don't like horror movies. Not because I'm weak, not because I can't watch it, but the way it affects me is just, it takes my faith away. There's some movies that you finish it and you feel like life becomes dangerous. I can't touch that. You feel like I can't touch that. Maybe that will kill me. Because in the movie you just watch, everything was killing someone. And you are like, yeah, no, 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 no. I don't want to go there. One day I entered my car and started to check, is this anything there? (laughs) That's what horror movies do to you. You begin to feel like everything may go wrong sometime because that's what you just watched. (laughs) Don't laugh at me, you. I'm a strong man. (laughs) What we hear, what we listen to affects our thought. So church... Let's be disciplined. Let's allow the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, don't watch that movie, don't. Don't listen to that. Don't. There's some conversation you just say, "Ah, thank you guys. And you go. Why? You don't just want to be part of it. It affects your faith. We are all the product of nature and nurture. When we follow Jesus, he gives us a new nature to overcome wrong things. He gives us the power to do it. When you decided to follow Jesus, he gave you the Holy Spirit. The power to overcome wrong is in you. But nurture, your environment can affect you in a way that you won't be able to say yes to right and not wrong because of where you are, because of the environment. So I know that we can try to build self-control, but our environment is necessary, it's important. What are the things you surround yourself with? If you know you can't resist alcohol, why is it in your fridge? Uh, It's just because of, you you won't just, it's just for ceremonies, you you know, just for weekend only one glass. But this is Friday, this is Monday, why are you still drinking it on Tuesday? Ah, you kept it in the fridge. That's why. If it was just for Saturday, it wouldn't stay in your fridge. It's in your fridge because you want, to, you want access to it on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. That's why it's there permanently. So don't, don't fool ourselves. If God is talking to you about stopping something, avoid the environment where that thing can be found. If it's a phone, keep it somewhere else. If it's your computer, keep it somewhere else. If it's your TV, discipline yourself. Not like, Find a way to avoid the environment where your self-control is being tempted or challenged. The Holy Spirit in you has changed your nature. It is your responsibility to change the nurturing. <laughs> That's society. That's society. That's your environment. So surround yourself with friends, places, environment that speaks, that speak life to you. And that's how we find self-control. That's how we build self-control. Focus on these three areas, your tongue, watch your tongue, watch your time, and watch your thought.